fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello there, and welcome back to the show. Here's what we got coming up for you this week. Every email has three jobs. Get it seen, get it open. And number three, we want to get people to take action. I've also got some help for you this week. If you have zero leads in your MSP, if your leads bucket is completely empty, your shelves are bare, I'm going to show you how to go from nothing to your first 100 leads in around about 90 days or so. That's coming up later on in the show. Plus, if you admit that your marketing completely sucks, I've got something irresistible that can really help you. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. One of the core marketing messages that I've been putting out there for MSPs for the last few years is that they don't know what they don't know. And by they, I'm talking about the ordinary decision makers, the business owners and managers that you most want to reach. And when I say they don't know what they don't know, I'm talking about technology, cybersecurity, all of this kind of stuff. They just have no idea because they don't immerse themselves in all the stuff in our world that you and I immerse ourselves in. They really don't know. And I had a great lesson last weekend, which reminded me that we all get to a stage with some things where we don't know what we don't know. Now, mine was where I managed to destroy a new watch of mine simply because I didn't know what I didn't know about the watch. Luckily, it wasn't an expensive one. I have a very expensive watch. I have a lovely Breitling, which I bought myself when I sold my first business five years ago. I'm not telling you how much I paid for it. It's the most amount of money I've ever spent on what is essentially a, you know, a bit of bling, a gift, a self-gift. And I do look after it very well. Um, I certainly wouldn't take it anywhere near water because although it's, it's like splash proof and you can get it down a few meters in a swimming pool, apparently, I'm not doing that. It's a really expensive watch. I'm looking after it. So we at the weekend went to Centre Parks, which are these great sort of parks, holiday parks here in the UK. They're set within Woodland and they have all these lovely lodges and a massive, massive swimming complex with slides and flumes. And my 11-year-old daughter, she adores going to Centre Parks and she loves, you know, basically we spend as much time as we can in the swimming pool. And I've always fancied just having a watch on in the water. So I bought myself a diver's watch. Now, I only got it off Amazon. Amazon. I know, I know Amazon's not the best place to go and buy things like watches, but it was only like 100 quid, 100 pounds, which is about 120, dollars And it said it was, it was waterproof down to 50 meters. It's like, well, that, that's perfect. You know, it's, it's a watch so that I can tell the time any point when I'm in the pool at Centre Park. So I got this watch off Amazon, took it to Centre Parks at the weekend, kept it strapped on my wrist the whole weekend. And it was great. We had such good fun at Centre Parks. And then on the drive home on Sunday evening, I just kind of glanced at my watch to see what time it was. And do you know what I saw on my wrist? Condensation. I couldn't see what time it was because of condensation. My watch was absolutely full of water. Now, don't get me wrong here. If you buy something that's certified as a diver's watch, and you know, $130 isn't cheap for a watch, is it? You can buy a watch for, for $10 that would be cheap, but $130, £100, that's not that cheap for a watch. And it specifically says it's certified for 
25, 50 meters, whatever it was. So as soon as we got home, I was straight, straight onto Amazon, talking to customer services. My watch is, I only bought it. You, you know what it's like when you're talking to Amazon like that. And the customer service representative, who clearly has a bank of questions to ask people in this situation, said, can you explain to me how you use the watch? So I said, well, yeah, we've been away for the weekend. We went swimming. Are you kept it on in the swimming pool? And he said to me, great, swimming pool shouldn't be a problem. Can I ask, did you go in a hot tub at all? And yes, I did. Well, it wasn't a hot tub. It was like a jacuzzi. There's like a, a, a hot plunge pool at Centre Parks. And yeah, we sat in that hot pool for about 10, 15 minutes or so. Now, what I didn't realise is that you're not supposed to take divers watches into really hot water. So they're fine in just heated swimming pools. But no, not when it comes to some kind of heated jacuzzi or hot tub or something like that. So essentially, I did the damage myself. Now, I'm not one of those people to try and game the system. I put my hands completely up and said, duh, I'm so stupid. I really should have read the instructions. No one ever reads the instructions anymore, do they? So I've now got myself a £100 diver's watch that's dripping with water, and it's going to go in my airing cupboard for the next couple of weeks, see if I can fix that. Apparently, I have already done the damage to the seals, so whenever I take it into water from now, it's going to fill up with condensation. It's a life lesson. And do you know what? I don't know what I don't know about divers' watches. What a great reminder that was for me, just how small details can really come and catch someone out. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this to you is not just from a marketing point of view, but you've got to think of your existing clients. Assume your existing clients at some point are going to do something stupid, like I just did something stupid. They are going to click on a phishing link. In fact, I read a stat last week that 46% of employees will click on a link that they are pretty sure is not a valid link. They're pretty sure it's a phishing link, but they'll click on it anyway because they're scared of missing a task that's been allocated to them. Duh. If they're willing to do something like that, you know at some point they're going to click on a link like that. You know at some point they're going to do something and give themselves ransomware, or they're going to do something stupid like taking on a whole load of new staff and not telling you about it until an hour after they've actually started. I'm sure you could tell me all the stupid things that clients do and all the problems it causes you and your team. Your mindset should be that even with your clients who've been with you for 10, 20 years, your mindset should be they don't know what they don't know. So both for your existing clients and certainly for your prospects, you've got to be constantly asking yourself, how can we educate people? How can we teach them about the things that they need to know, even though they're not that interested in learning about them? How can we make these things relevant to them? We're seeing a rise right now in the CSP platforms, things like Envirosoft. And we had Jamie Warner. In fact, we had a special with Jamie Warner, the owner of Envirosoft, uh, back in episode 88, back in July this year. And one of the wonderful things that these platforms can do is help your users to self-educate. You know, you can have videos and things in there. There's all sorts of things that they can do to self-educate themselves, which makes life easier for them because they're in a situation of saying, oh, yeah, that's why that keeps happening. But it also makes life easier for your techs as well, because it must be pretty frustrating having to explain the same old things again and again and again. So how can you create a culture for you and for your technicians, remembering not in a rude way, but just in a realistic way? They don't know what they don't know so that you can help your clients and you can help your prospects and along the way, strengthen your relationship with them so they make fewer stupid mistakes. Here's this week's clever idea. 
Sometimes people ask me, how do you actually make money, Paul? You do these podcasts and you write all this stuff and you're always on people's webinars, but where does the money come from? Well, we have a core service. It's called the MSP Marketing Edge. I'll tell you about that in a second. But one of the things we do with our membership is we're constantly adding value. I want it to be like Amazon Prime, where you pay your small fee every month, but the membership and the value just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the things I'm doing at the moment is every week I'm recording a brand new bite-size training course for my members. And in fact, I've just finished one today. I literally finished recording it about 20 minutes before jumping onto recording this podcast. And I thought you'd find it kind of interesting. It's called From Nothing to Your First 100 Leads. Now, the bite-size training course itself in total is around about 15, I think it's about 18 minutes long. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but let me take you through what this course is designed to do or what this thinking process is designed to do and then what you should actually do. So every now and again, I talk to an MSP who has nothing. Their, their marketing pot is empty. They have no one to talk to at all. And this isn't just the startups, by the way. In fact, it's kind of rare, fairly rare to talk to a startup with no one to talk to because when you first start the business, you throw yourself into it with such vigor and such energy that you and you do stuff, you know, with, with a degree of urgency that it just generates leads. What tends to happen, I think, with some MSPs is when they do no marketing whatsoever and they're, they're caught in the comfort trap of lots of monthly recurring revenue and great retention and, and they get comfortable doing no marketing. And then one day they lose a client, often through no fault of their own. Perhaps the client goes bust or they get bought or something like that. And it suddenly makes the MSP owner realize, oh my goodness, we're not doing any marketing. We lost this client and we've, we've got no pipeline to replace that client. And there's no pipeline for growth. So that's why I put this course together, From Nothing to Your First 100 Leads. And it's designed to be like a 90-day program. So the very first thing I recommend is getting your marketing fundamentals sorted. And the marketing fundamentals really for you are your website and your LinkedIn. And the, the those are kind of like the shop front. You know, people do judge the book by the cover. If, if the shop front, if the book cover is tatty and old and a bit out of date and just not very emotional, people are not going to shop there. So you could be the best MSP in the world at a technical level, but if your website and your LinkedIn are dowdy and old and out of date and just a bit, then the people are never, ever going to consider you. So you've got to get those two basics done first. And you can go back previous episodes of this podcast. In fact, if you go back to episodes 62 and 63 from January this year, we had two specials on websites and LinkedIn. So that'll help you get those fundamentals sorted out. Now, one other fundamental, which is something I never normally talk about, and you need to get this right for this plan, is getting your business card sorted. Now, Hang on, Paul, we're in COVID. Do we need business cards? Well, yes, absolutely, you do need business cards because one of the things I'm going to suggest to you, there are, there are three activities to go from zero to 100 leads and one of them is to get up, get out and go and do more networking events. The kind of business card I recommend is just keep it very, very simple with your name, your basic contact details, but you must, must, must put a photo of you on the business card. And this is one of many things I'm going to talk about in this segment of the show that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. Because putting a photo of yourself on a business card seems like a real egomaniac thing to do. 
I don't really use business cards anymore, but I found an old one I was using a couple of years ago when I was out meeting people. And it's got a photo of me on the back of it. It's kind of a fatter, younger version of me. And the reason I put my photo on the business card is because you meet someone at a networking event, you shake their hands, you talk about stuff for five minutes, and then you're gone. And they're never going to remember your name or even what you do. People just don't work that way, but they will remember your face. And critically, they will remember how you made them feel. And that's the key thing when you're doing any kind of networking or indeed talking to anyone, you're trying to influence them at an emotional level. We were talking about people that don't know what they don't know. When someone doesn't know what they don't know, they're not thinking about things cognitively. They're certainly not making buying decisions cognitively. They're doing it with their emotions. You're doing it with their heart and they're going to be doing it. They'll pick an MSP that they like. So when you're meeting these kind of decision makers, you want to make them like you. You want to be warm to them, ask them lots of things about their favorite subject which is themselves and their own business. And you want to make sure that's all associated back to your face. Your face is your trademark. It's your brand. It's your logo. So make sure it goes on your business cards. Those are your fundamentals you've got to get right. Then there are three activities that I recommend you do on a daily basis. The first of them is LinkedIn. You work LinkedIn like you've never worked it before. In fact, I recommend you find 60 to 90 minutes every single weekday to work LinkedIn and do these other activities. And on LinkedIn, you work on the three C's, that's connect, contact, and content. So you connect to new people every day, you contact new people using messaging on LinkedIn, and you're looking to add value when you do that. Don't just send them all the same message. You know, perhaps comment on something that's on their website or send them something that might be useful. LinkedIn messaging is great in that you get 100% deliverability. With email, you never know if the email's actually got there, but LinkedIn, you know whether or not the message has got there. They might not open it for a few weeks, but it is a great way to try and contact people. And then the final C is content, is putting content on LinkedIn on a daily basis. And I can help you with that. Tell you more about that in a second. So the first daily activity is LinkedIn. The second daily activity, as predicted by the business cards, is to get out there and go networking. In fact, I've challenged my members to say, how can you attend three networking events every week? I've challenged them to put together in this training course a networking calendar. Though literally for the next 90, 100 days or so, they know which events they're going to attend three times a week. Things like BNI, the Chamber of Commerce or Trade, other business groups, you know, thinking about if there's not enough networking events in your town, what's in the next town, that kind of thing. Now, you very rarely generate business from networking alone. That's not really the point of it. The purpose of networking is to meet people, build connections and link into other people's networks, not online, but offline. Somebody you meet at a networking meeting today might know someone who knows someone who really hates their MSP right now. And that's the power of networking. And yeah, I know you got all the cliches in networking, the early starts and the horrible breakfasts and, oh, you've just gone to three networking events in a row and it's the same people at all three events. I know that can be a bit depressing, but you've got to work it. It's a great way of building up a reputation. It's a great way of building 
building up some momentum and just getting yourself out there and meeting people. And I know it's scary. And if, if you can't do that right now because of COVID, then it's certainly something to you know look forward to do when you're allowed to do it. But if events are happening in your town or city right now, I would encourage you to get out there. Stay safe, of course. Make sure you take all the right precautions. But ultimately, physically meeting people face to face is such a powerful thing to do. And then we get on to the final daily task, which is picking up the phone and calling people. In fact, wouldn't it be great if you could phone people for 30 minutes a day? Yes, 30 minutes a day, you picking up the phone, calling people, either people that you've met at networking or people who are in your database. Now, if ever I was going to suggest something that would put you out of your comfort zone, it's picking up the phone and calling people. But here's the thing. The phone moves things on massively. Emails, LinkedIn, videos, websites, all of that stuff. It's great. It's efficient. It's digital. It's brilliant. And you don't have to have a great deal of pain with it. But picking up the phone. Come on, Paul. Are you mad? Picking up the phone moves things forward. It's how you find out in just a five-minute phone call that someone really doesn't like their incumbent MSP. It's very, very smart. And do you know what? If you really can't do this yourself, go and hire someone to do it on your behalf. It's a great job for a back-to-work mum to call people. If you do do it yourself, there's a great way to gamify it. You can use the paperclip game, get two glasses, Let's say you wanted to make 10 calls a day, put 10 paper clips in one of the glasses, and every time you pick up the phone and dial a number, you move one of the paper clips over to the empty glass. You can see the goal here is to move all the paper clips from one glass to another. It's a simple psychological trick. You essentially, you trick your brain into saying, hey, I've started this job here, I've made three calls, we need to finish this, we need to do this next seven calls. It's a very clever way to just make yourself do it. Now, there's three very simple activities there. That's not what I would recommend to a mature MSP that's got a pipeline already. For a mature MSP, there are many other smarter things that I recommend. But if you have absolutely nothing, your lead bucket is empty there. If you could make a 90-day commitment to doing that, you will fill yourself up with at least 100 leads. I bet you money that you will generate a couple of decent prospects out of that. And you might not win your first client in that first 90 days, but you are going to be well on your way to winning another client just from working the numbers and putting in the activity. It always pays off when you do the activity and you work the numbers game because you build up some awesome momentum. Paul's blatant plug. I mentioned my service there, the MSP Marketing Edge. What we have created is a toolkit of everything you need to market your MSP. So on one side, we give you regular white label content. So this is marketing content that you can use to get new clients in your area. So educational guides, videos, emails, social media, there's an absolute ton of stuff. On the other side, we've got a community, we've got training, we've got direct world-class support to help you with doing your marketing and growing your business. It's a complete package of everything that you need. It's only £99 per month if you're in the UK or if you're in the US or anywhere else in the world, US dollars a month. It's really cheap. And the reason it's cheap is because we've got more than 500 members. And it's like, as I said, like Amazon Prime, we can keep making the value bigger as we add more members. Here's the rub though. It's only available to one MSP per area. 
And once we have sold it to one MSP, we genuinely lock it. In fact, you can go onto the website and you can see whether or not someone has beaten you to your area. If you go to mspmarketingedge.com, it'll then ask you to choose between the UK or the US site. If you're in the UK, enter your postcode. It'll tell you whether or not someone's already locked your area. And in the US site, you enter your zip code. Again, the same thing. If someone has already beaten you to it, please do join our waiting list. We've got hundreds and hundreds of MSPs on the waiting list for various areas waiting for those areas to become available. By the way, if you're in anywhere else in the world, not in the UK or the US, there are instructions on the website of how to contact us because we do have clients, I think it's in about 24 different countries, loads in Canada, loads in Australia and lots of other countries as well. So go and have a look, see if someone else has beaten you to it at mspmarketingedge.com. The Big Interview. Hi, I'm Liz Wilcox, and you know that feeling you get when you go into your email service provider because you know you're supposed to do email marketing, but you think, what the heck am I supposed to write? How am I going to get people to actually care what's in this email? Well, I help solve that problem. And you're very welcome on this show for exactly that reason, Liz. Thank you for joining us. A couple of weeks ago, we had Adrian Savage on, who is an email deliverability expert. And he was talking all about how to get into the inbox. It was really interesting because one of the things he mentioned was the need for high levels of engagement and that the email providers like Gmail and Microsoft, they're watching. And if people don't actually open your emails, that's a mark against you. Now, I'm sure you agree with this because one of the things I know that you're a big fan of, Liz, is getting your open rate up. So how do you do that? Is it all about what you put in the subject line? Every email has three jobs. Number one, get it seen, right? Get it into the inbox. So definitely listen to that podcast. Uh, Number two, you want to get it opened, right? We want to open it. And number three, we want to get people to take action. So in order to get people to actually open it, right, after we've done a good job of making sure our deliverability is, you know, really up there, we want to make sure we welcome new leads in a way that gets people to tell about our company in a way that, you know, makes a personal connection. People buy from people and companies that they trust. Um, but basically, we're just welcoming them in, talking about, you know, who we are, why we're in their inbox, and how we can help them. Because remember, people don't care about your company. They care about what your company can do for them. You literally took the words out of my mouth. That's it. That's an exact phrase that I use and have used on this podcast before. So why do you think most MSP owners and other business owners, Liz, find it so difficult to do email marketing? Well, there's not a lot of good advice out there. <laughs> you know, when you Google email marketing, you listen to podcasts, a lot of email marketers will tell you to tell stories. But I think a lot of email marketers, they start off as copywriters who are paid to tell stories, paid big bucks to sit on the phone with customers, you know, and then craft this amazing, you know, really interesting story that's going to go well on social media and hopefully in the inbox as well. But especially in a post-COVID world, your customer is likely very, I guess, like technology burnt out, right? They are watching Netflix while scrolling on their phone, while their spouse is next to them, you know, hey, check out this TikTok I just saw. So they've got two, maybe three screens in their face all at once. When you get into the inbox, if you are just telling stories every single time, it's going, oh, I don't have time to read a story. I'm just going to, you know, keep scrolling. Or I find the opposite of this is if you are just providing what I guess you would typically think of as a newsletter where it's, you know, kind of like the old school 1980s, 1990s company memo, 
note from CEO, right? And it's, you know, these are the sales we've got going on, or this is the new product that's coming out or whatever. Um, you know, that's also going to, people are going to turn a blind eye to that because that's not as exciting as the TikTok that their spouse is showing them of, you know, some dog falling into the water or whatever. Right. So when we, when we can craft a mixture of that, when we can make a personal connection instead of just telling this big long story that's drawn out that nobody wants to read and you don't have time to write while also giving those company updates right about what the next launch is or you know what's coming up for sale that is when you can really grab attention because you're making that personal connection people are going to buy because they trust i'm an msp and you know this is what's happening in my company the CEO just did X, you know, just making a little personal connection. Like if I was writing a newsletter for Paul, the personal connection might be, Hey, I just did a podcast with Liz Wilcox. It goes really well with the deliverability podcast that came out three weeks ago. Anyway, what I wanted to update you on is on Black Friday this year, we're going to do X. Sure. So that personal connection, is that about showing that you're human and that you're real and that you're not just this, this company behind an email? Exactly. People want that personal connection nowadays. There's a reason why Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple, all these giant corporations are, you know, making a stand for social justice, making commercials about, uh, you know, women's empowerment, et cetera, et cetera, because we now know the consumer wants that personal connection, wants to know that the company cares about humanity. And so, you know, whether your company has got two people on your team or a hundred, the consumer wants to know that there are people behind whatever it is you're driving. So most of our listeners are operating in the B2B sphere. So they're businesses and they're looking for other businesses. And we know that when MSPs go looking for new clients, it's a very long sell. It's you know, most people stick with their MSP for years and years and years. So you've got a two to three week window once every five, 10 years, maybe, where you can actually have a conversation with them about them switching from one MSP to another. Now, I've been a big fan for years for using emails along with social media and other elements, but using emails for building a relationship with people before they're actually even thinking of switching. What are some of the things that you would recommend to build that relationship in the long term? Like I mentioned earlier with the welcome sequence, you want to give them some kind of value very quickly. So if they're getting on your email list or, you know, you're getting their email, give them some sort of value up front. I know, you know, in the B2C world, you know, we often call it a freebie or something like that. I would suggest, you know, providing some sort of value. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, we've got this kind of PDF or that. Just giving a, you know, quick value add to them really helps right off the bat. And then just a quick introduction to yourself and to your company. And then I suggest also crafting up some content that is really good for them. Whatever um, is relevant to your ideal customer, putting it out there on the internet for them and showing what you do best. So for me, I'm an email marketer. What I do best is writing newsletters really quickly. And I'm also really good on video. And so some of my emails, I literally make a video of myself and show exactly how I write it very quickly. And so also making video we don't often associate video and email, but putting that into your emails, 
crafting videos and maybe even honestly creating a GIF, you know, G-I-F on Jiffy.com is very, very easy. It gets your face right there in the email because you can't actually embed videos into emails, but you can create a GIF of just a small portion of your video. And on the bottom, you can put something that says, click me. And so they click over it. They're immediately seeing you, hearing you, you know, you're giving them your best type of advice, whatever content you've got for them. And that just makes that personal connection. Remember, people are buying from people and companies they trust. So the sooner you can get your actual face in front of them, I recommend doing that, you know, in the first couple emails. Hey, I made this video for you, Paul. Uh, you know, click here to check it out. And there's a GIF of your face and you're moving. And I recommend the GIF because you're moving, right? And it really entices, it really engages them like, oh my gosh, they made me an actual video. Now, if you're doing more one-to-one emails, like if you're going back and forth with clients, I recommend you doing this too. And I usually take a sticky note and I'll write, you know, Hey, Paul, and I'll put it in front of the camera. And that, that's just a side note for you as you move along with emails and you get to that one-to-one scenario. I also recommend setting expectations. You know, if I'm emailing you, you can expect I'm going to email you once a month with tips on X. I'm going to offer you these types of services. I'm going to have this type of products. I'm going to help you understand this about the industry, whatever you plan on doing, set the expectations. Think about when was the last time you went to college or university or, you know, even elementary school, the teacher always starts with the objective. They always try to set expectations, right? And so if you can do that in your emails, you know, at the very beginning, like I just said, and then as you write your email, say, you know, I'm sending this email because X, if you can say that right away, it's going to help people know exactly if it's worth their time or not to read. And then if you've got any sort of big call to action, you know, if you've got a community, you can invite them to the community. If you've got a, you know, hey, let's book a call to talk, always invite them right up front to do that. You know, like Paul just said, it might take years for them to actually do it. But the more you put the offer out there, the more you're going to see success. This is great stuff, Liz. It really is. Although you have started a controversy because is it a GIF or is it a GIF? Let's leave that to the uh, Twitter wars. Okay, we'll do we'll do we'll do a public vote perhaps in our in our uh, MSP marketing Facebook group. GIF or GIF? I don't know the answer to that one. I really don't. So maybe that's uh, we can get a definitive answer. Final question for you, Liz. You said earlier that you can write a really good email newsletter in 20 minutes, and of course you can because you've been doing this for two. 200 years. But for the average MSP who hasn't and perhaps look at it and looks at a blank screen and a blank Word document with the cursor flashing and actually feel sick inside, what's an easy way, a quick win to get started and just get some email marketing going? Sure. So you just follow the 20 minute framework, basically put your greeting out there, you know, hello, prospective client, first name, whatever, and then give that personal connection that personal update. So think about something in the last seven to 14 days that has happened in your company that could make a personal connection. So maybe Larry uh, cooked fish in the microwave and it stunk up the whole break room. Or, you know, maybe you recently, you know, landed a new client and that was very exciting for you. You could share that win or you could share something funny. But think of it as you haven't seen your mom in a few months. You pick up the phone, 
She asks, how are you doing? Hey, mom, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, except Larry, you know, he stunk up the break room earlier today with the fish. And just that two to three sentence personal connection, something human that everyone can relate to. It doesn't have to be wild or crazy or anything like that, but just something that they can relate to quickly. And then just segue into whatever content you have for them. Hey, I just wanted to let you know about X service, et cetera, et cetera. And you can segue very easily. You can literally type in the word anyway, dot, dot, dot. What I really want to share with you today is X and then just share any of those details and then sign off. And I always recommend saying something like, I'm here to help. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm sure the deliverability talked a lot about getting people to reply. You know, you can invite them to reply with any questions, invite them to book a call, whatever you want them to do, and then just sign off. I am never letting Larry near the microwave ever again. How dare he? So, <laughs> There's Liz, always tell us, a Larry. <laughs> There's always a Larry. Liz, tell us a little bit more about your business and tell us how we can get in touch with you. Sure. So I'd love for you to find me at LizWilcox.com. If you listen to this episode and you think, yeah, Liz, that still seems really hard. 20 minutes. I don't know how to do it. I actually have an email marketing membership that is $9 a month. And I literally write a newsletter every single week from different business perspectives that you can take and make your own. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Ruben Schwartz here, founder of Mimarin, the CRM for solo consultants who love serving clients but hate selling. I'm also the host and chief nerd on the Sales for Nerds podcast. And one of my great guests was David A. Fields, who's written the book that I wish I had had when I started consulting. It's called The Irresistible Consultant's Guide to Winning Clients, Six Steps to Unlimited Clients and Financial Freedom. It's full of practical advice and I highly recommend it. Coming up next week. Hi, I'm Adam Walter with Managed Services Platform. And I'm gonna be here next week to talk to you about how to have better conversations rather than just presenting data to your clients. This will help you drive better projects, more revenue, and attract key stakeholders to your conversations when you come on site with clients. We'll also be talking next week about whether or not you can use Facebook's Messenger to generate new leads. Now, we all know that everyone is on Facebook, but is it actually a valid business-to-business, B2B lead generation tool? We'll explore that one next week. Plus, we'll look at a better way to improve your staff's performances than doing appraisals. Not many people with their own business do formal appraisals, but they do consider it because, and I'm putting this one in speech marks, it's what big businesses do. Well, just because big businesses do it doesn't mean it's necessarily a great tool. I think that appraisals are evil and a way to demoralize your staff. I've got a much better suggestion for you, and I'll tell you what it is in next week's show. See you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.